in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you to gather in your name as your people called by your spirit is a blessing. It's, it's something that you have designed. It was not a designation of man on this earth. It's something that you're doing on the earth even today. Jesus, you said upon this rock, I will future tense build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord, you're building your church even today. And not only have you built your church, and not only is your church beautiful, but Lord, your church is given a command to go into the world and preach the gospel. We've been given a command to love people who are lost where they are in life, to connect with them, to care for them, to show them what it looks like when God loves someone because we too have been redeemed. And so, Father, today in this message, I'm asking that by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, you would speak to our hearts, that we would see maybe some of us for the very first time with clarity a picture of what it means to be a Christian what it means to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And that we would not just understand it and know it, but God, it would play out in our lives every day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This week I've done a lot of soul searching and I've done a lot of thinking about this subject of reaching lost people. We started this series about six weeks ago. The first week of our series, The Church and All Her Beauty, was to look at the church from God's view. And God's view is beautiful. That's what he sees when he sees his church. It's a bride for his son. Uh, then we looked at five different ways that really are characteristics of God found in his people. That if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, these five characteristics should be part of your life because you are in Christ. And these, all five, carry the characteristics of Jesus. First, we were taught to look up and see that it is through God that we grow spiritually. It's not through this world. It's not by looking at, at world belief systems, but it's going to the Bible, seeing the Bible as the, the source of truth that we built our life upon. And so we want to grow spiritually in God's word. And then look out. That is love others forgivingly. Love people in the church forgivingly. It's hard enough to love the world, but my goodness, we also have a difficult time loving each other because we're rubbing shoulders with each other, right? We're having to deal with each other and not every experience is the way we'd like. And 
You're, you're, you're frustrated with somebody in the church over something, and believe me, somebody else is frustrated with you. It goes around. It's not easy being a family, is it? But we're called by God to forgive lovingly. Forgive one another. Then we looked in. We, we, we talked about giving faithfully to God and his work. That, that truly a, a, a believer of Jesus participates in the act of giving. It's an act of worship to take what we possess that really is earned in our job, whatever that is, and to give a portion for the sake of the gospel, to give a portion for the sake of the church and the ministries of the church so that the church continues on. We all share in that together. That's important. Then we look, said, look around. That is, serve in God's kingdom very humbly. You know, service to the Lord, the only service that he honors and that he will bless is service that comes through a humble heart. He's not looking for people who will pride themselves in what they've done for God. He's not looking for folks who want attention for what they've done for God. He just wants you to humbly serve. I said to the prayer group, the circle of prayer this morning early, I said, you know, we're really nothing more than a tool in the hand of God, each of us. And we're different tools, okay? But, but that's what you are. The tool is nothing by itself. But in God's hand, and God is the one that made you who you are, and when we give ourselves, surrender ourselves humbly before him, he takes us and he uses us to build his kingdom. It's a beautiful picture. And so we want to serve humbly. And I got to say that this week, I am so personally indebted to those of you who came out yesterday to help us uh, move the offices. There, there was so much stuff, furniture and things in that office that had to be moved. And if we had had just, you know, six to seven people, which is what I thought, you know, six to ten people would be it, it would probably take us at least, you know, a half of a day, maybe even into the, the, the second half of the day to get it all done. And when I showed up, uh, man, it was like an army was there. there. There must have been 20, 20, I don't know how many people, a lot of people. You know who you were. Some of you are sitting here. I'm seeing your face right now, barely, although it's very blurred. Um, I, now I really see you. And, and the work that we accomplished together, we worked together and moved everything over to the new building. And then I, I had been down this week, and I wasn't able to get out to the new property, and I walked in and saw the painting that they're doing inside the worship center, which before the walls, the ceiling were black. The floor was black. It's because it was a production studio. But we had to change all of that. And so they've been in there. They're going to finish the painting tomorrow, I understand. But, man, it's beautiful. I mean, I'm just, uh, uh, wow. God, you're awesome that you would provide this place for us to call home as a base of operation as we minister throughout Vero Beach and Indian River County and even beyond. I'm just so thankful and thankful for you who have given so many hours, not just those of you who came out yesterday, but we've got some special people who from day one when we first acquired the building just showed up. Nobody asked them, nobody begged them. They just showed up. And they're there every day since we first started working in the building. They've been there every day. And just doing little jobs here and there. And when you look at the massive load of projects, and Dan, I'm, I, I know you don't want your name mentioned, but Dan's the contractor. He's the project manager for the whole thing. And I mean, he, he's got that thing humming. I mean, people are doing stuff every day. And it's coming together. It's beautiful what God is doing in the midst of Vero Bible Fellowship. Amen? But it's because we have a group of people who serve humbly. They understand that. Nobody's looking for attention. Nobody's looking for fanfare. We just want to serve the Lord. Just make me a tool in your hand, Lord, whatever that looks like. Somebody says, well, I'm a hoe. Okay, well, you're a hoe in the Lord, but somebody else is a shovel. Somebody else is a hammer. 
Well, I'm just a screwdriver. I wish I could be a shovel. Well, it's what God made. So just take what he gave you and, and bring glory to God with it. Amen? Every one of us. This week, we finished this, this series, The Church in All Her Beauty, by looking at believers in the call of God to look beyond. Look beyond yourself, look beyond the church, look beyond your Christian friends, look into the world. Because every believer is called to share the gospel passionately. This is where I've spent a lot of time this week. In my thoughts are the words that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 7 when he said, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter are many. The vast mass of people on the earth have chosen the wide gate. The wide gate that leads to destruction. They like it because the way is easy. You can believe anything you want to believe. Even about Christianity. You can say you're a Christian and believe just little tidbits and pieces of orthodoxy. You don't have to believe all the Bible. You don't have to follow the doctrines all the way. And Jesus said that way is easy and wide and it leads to destruction but he said the narrow gate he said it's the way is hard the the gate is narrow the way is hard that leads to life and because the gate's narrow and because the way is hard only few enter through that gate. This is Jesus. Loving Jesus. Who is saying to us and to every human being on the earth that the vast mass of people on the earth will choose the wide way that's easy and it will lead them to destruction. Only a few will choose the narrow way. At the people on the wide way were to look at us, they would say, you're so narrow-minded to think that Jesus is the only way. They're right. We are narrow-minded because that's the only way, and it's a hard way. It's not easily acceptable in this world. It's, it's rejected by the world, but it's the only way to lead you to life. There's no other way. Lost people make up the vast majority of the world population. A lost person is someone who is dead in his or her sins. It was explained in the video. God created us perfect. We were holy. We carried his image. And he had fellowship with us in the garden. But man chose to follow after the temptation of sin that Satan presented. And because of that, we fell from perfection into a life of sin and hostility towards God. Literally, the world is at enmity with God. We're angry at God in the world. You see that every day by the way people laugh and ridicule and mock Christians. Lost people represent those who are in the world, who are lost. Unless a person is born of the Spirit, they will die in their sins and face eternal judgment before holy God. Lost people represent most of the world population. They are the majority of people, listen, that live in your neighborhood. They are the majority of people that live in Vero Beach, Florida. They are the majority of people in Indian River County, in the state of Florida, in the North America, on the earth. They are the majority. The world population is 7.8 billion people. 
Protestants make up about 1.1 billion. That's about 14% of the world population. If you break that group, the Protestant group, down to those who identify as evangelical, the number dwindles down to around 700 million out of 7.7 billion people. That represents about 7.7% of the world population. So there's a vast number of lost people, proportionately speaking, a very small number of Christians that make up the world. That is sobering, but it gets worse. Of the evangelical Christians that attend church and believe that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life, well, not all believe that who are evangelical. In a study conducted by Lifeway Research, they found that 80% of those who attend church one or more times a month believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. Yet, less than, or uh, yeah, less, or a little over two thirds have not shared their faith with others. These are the evangelicals. According to LifeWay Research, only 29% of unchurched Americans say a Christian has ever shared with them one-on-one how a person becomes a Christian. I think that's high. I don't think it's accurate. I don't think it is 29% of lost people that would say that somebody has shared with them how to become a Christian. This is coming from the world. Only 29% have ever heard somebody share what it means to be a Christian. We, church, I say this very, with charity, okay? Because we're all a work in progress here. This is not the final cut. This is simply process, right? We're, we're, we're learning today. Uh, we have in God's church, his beautiful church, among Christians, we have an obedience problem. Why aren't more Christians sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people that they meet? Well, one reason is probably because it's impossible to share with others what you don't have personally yourself. Just because you call yourself a Christian or an evangelical doesn't mean that you have come through a calling of God and have been transformed by the Holy Spirit and now live a different life than the life before. A lot of Christians that come show up once a month on Sunday live the same life they lived before they say they became a Christian. Nothing's changed. So, so the question is, How can you share the gospel which impacts life if you've never been impacted by it? Maybe we need to back up and say, wait a minute, I need to question, do I truly understand what it means to be born again? Has that really occurred in my life that God called me I saw my sin for what it is. I saw that I could never pay back that sin debt that I've incurred and that God made a way. He sent in my place a substitute to suffer and pay the price for my sin debt. Has that really happened in your life? Because when it happens, you'll know it. You will be transformed by the Holy Spirit. You go from an unregenerate spirit to a regenerated spirit. You're now a new person in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying that all of a sudden, like this, everything in your life goes to perfection. No. It will never, on this side of eternity, go to perfection again. You're going to constantly be tempted to sin, even after you're saved. But you know the difference because now your heart is bent towards God. He has changed you. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? 
and you know it, and you're on a new path, and God is by the, not only did he save you by grace through faith, but then he is every day that you live sanctifying you by grace through faith. Every day I'm changing, I'm growing, I'm learning. You're here this morning hearing this difficult message, but it's for a purpose. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is trying to transform you even today in how you view the gospel, in how you share the gospel. That's not my work. I can't play Holy Spirit. I can give you scripture, and I can tell you what's in the world today, and that's what we're trying to do, that the Holy Spirit might take it now and begin stirring your heart. Or maybe you're here thinking you're saved, and now you're going, maybe I'm not saved. Based on what Greg has shared, I don't think I'm saved. Well, guess what? God's calling. Respond to the call of God. You can change that today. You can't. God does. You just surrender to it. In the Ligonier State of Theology report in 2022, it said 56% of those who identify as Christian believe that God accepts the worship of all religious groups, including Islam. Now, let me sit and say that again. This is coming from a conservative, biblical, uh, classic biblical uh, theology uh, position. Fifth, in their study, 56, more than half of all who identify as Christian do not believe that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. More than half of all Christians, Christians, 43% of Christians believe Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 43% of all Christians don't think Jesus is God? I know that to be true. You've heard me say it. I'll say it again. One of my good friends, he's a pastor in town. When he first came to town, he did a, a, a unity service with two other churches. He was invited to attend with his church. And at that service, afterwards, one of the three pastors of one of those three churches came to him and said, hey, so uh, you're a Southern Baptist. He said, yes, I am. He said, I used to be a Southern Baptist back when I used to believe that Jesus was God. That guy and his congregation being led by that guy were doing a unity service with two other churches that believe Jesus is God. I'm just trying to give you the picture of how the world has inculcated the church. Christians responded to this statement. Listen to this. The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but it is not literally true. The Bible's not literally true. In 2020, okay, just four years ago, only 15% of Christians agreed with that statement. Just two years ago, in 2022, 26% now agree. Who knows what it is now? Gender identity is a matter of choice. That was the statement presented in the survey. In 2020, 37% of believers agreed with that. In 2022, two years later, 22% agree. Interesting. There's a turnaround that's happening. I'm glad for that. The Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior doesn't apply today. 28% of Christians believe that. That the Bible no longer speaks to homosexuality as it once did. You know what that is? That is Christians who've been influenced by a worldly belief system. You say, why are you talking about all this? Why giving us all these statistics? Let's get into the Bible. Oh, believe me, we will. I'm laying the foundation. I want us as a church, Vero Bible Fellowship, to see how easy it is to fall into the world. And if we think that the world is making sense to any degree, it's less likely that you're going to share the, God, the true gospel with the world. The only people who get excited about sharing the gospel are people who truly understand how far the world is from God. Do we really believe the Bible or don't we? How you answer that question 
makes all the difference in whether you're going to be called to obey God's word or whether just see it as something that fits your belief system. No, I'm called to obey the word. The, the Bible has authority over our lives as Christians. And when Jesus says, go and tell, he means it. It was not, uh, you know, a suggestion. It was a command. If you're my children, go. To be a Christian is to believe the Bible was inspired by God and is without error and infallible in the original manuscripts. To be a Christian is to believe what the Bible says about God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, about man and about sin. It is to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel is very clear. God calls us unto salvation by his Spirit and by grace through faith in Christ as the Son of God who died for my sins. I turn from a life of sin and receive salvation in Christ. And he becomes the Lord of my life. He's not just my Savior now. He's my Lord. A Christian is one who follows Jesus and does what he commands in Scripture. In 1519, Hernan Cortez, you've heard the story, he took a small army to the shores of Veracruz, Mexico to conquer the land. In order to ensure that his men remain committed to the mission, he ordered that 10 of the 11 ships that they came on be scuttled. Some people have believed that he said, burn the ships. He did not say burn the ships. That was actually a misprint by a script because the word for burn and the word for tear the ships apart is only one letter difference. And in his own writing, in, in, in Cortez's own writing, he, he said, tear them apart. So literally the men took 10 of the 11 ships that they came on to this new world and they tore them apart. They saved all the sails, they saved all the parts, all the pieces, all the supplies, all the materials, so that they could then establish life in the new world. It's real hard to go home when it took 11 ships to get there and there's only one ship left. And why did they leave the one? Because as they would discover the gold, they would ship it back to Spain. They were committed to stay. There was no other option. The ships had been completely destroyed. We're here. This is it. The only direction for them was to go forward with the mission. What was the mission? To establish life in the new world. As a Christian, you have surrendered your life to Christ. You no longer are the captain of your soul if Jesus is your Lord. Now you are surrendered. You are the servant. He is the master. And you are committed. There's no going back. There, you're committed to the mission that Jesus has given you. There's no halfway here. It's not one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. You, you do know biblical Christianity does not allow for lukewarmness in the church. It does not allow for a lukewarm Christian. Jesus said in Revelation 3 that if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He was referring to a church. If you're lukewarm, I'm going to give you time to change. You need to get your act together. Either you belong to me or you don't. But this middle road thing where you're, you're straddling both sides, that makes me want to throw up. That's what Jesus said. And I will throw you up. I will not allow my church to be lukewarm. So here's what that means in reality. If a church is soft on the gospel, if a church allows the world to inculcate into its service, into it, the church. And by the way, if you want to find, we say, well, that's not our church. Let me just say, okay, if we were just to take all the lights out now, right now in this setting, all we have are house lights. But if we turned off every light in most churches today, except for the house lights, if we didn't have worship band and worship on a stage in the front, and all we did was come into a regular room with house lights, and somebody gets up and teaches the Bible for an hour, 
you'd find out real quick how much your church has been inculcated by the world. We're no different. Some of us, we can get so easily swayed by what we see out there or what we hear over here. We got to be so careful because we are, we're, Jesus is Lord. We're to follow him. Take your Bible. Let's get into the word here. I'm sorry for taking so much time to just kind of lay a foundation, but I feel, felt like a presupposition was important that we've got to understand what it means to be a believer. It means that there's no fence sitting. I'm either in or I'm out. And by the way, if you're not fully in, according to what Jesus said, you're out. No, 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 I'm not out, Pastor. I haven't decided to, to, to walk away. I just kind of am in the middle right now. No, no, Jesus said, if you're not in, you're out. Procrastination is a decision. It's a decision of inactivity. Christ won't have it in his church. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 Do not love the world or the things in the world. We need to qualify that right out of the gate. What does he mean there when he says world? The Greek word is cosmos. And it has several different meanings. It can refer to the earth, the, the world that we live on. It could refer to the mountains and the streams and everything. That, that's one way of looking at it. Would God be saying, do not love the world that I created? No. Uh, it's okay to enjoy those things. No, that's not what he's talking about. Another interpretation would be, don't love the people. Because cosmos can also, in Scripture, represent people. He's not saying, don't love people. We're to love all people. So that's not what he's referring to here. So what does he mean when he says, do not love the world or the things in the world? Okay, the, the third interpretation of that is, it's the worldly belief systems. It's the evil that came through Adam that exists in the world. It's the lies of Satan, how he duped Eve, and then Eve drew the man into it. It's the fact that Satan didn't approach the man who was given spiritual headship of his home. He approached the woman who was not given spiritual position of headship. He inverted what God created in terms of a role. It's that whole thing of just turning inside out, upside down what God created. It's a belief system of the world. It's wicked ways of the world. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Don't love this world. I am asking a question here. Is it possible to watch a television show, a TV series, without worldly influence written all over it? And then we get so hooked watching it that we binge in our watching of it. Do not love the world. You say, okay, man, you sound like a fundamentalist. I, I think the way Jesus spoke was fundamental. I don't think he meant different things when he said it. There are some things that the Bible is gray on and we shouldn't try to make black and white. There's other things the Bible's black and white on and we shouldn't try to make gray. I think we need to be real careful. We need to do some soul searching. Because here's what happens when you allow that, that influence, whatever it is, a person, a, a longtime friend, who constantly is subtly saying to you, why are you so committed to your husband i mean man i'm out here having fun why don't you come join me i mean you're missing you're missing out on so much you got married when you were young you never really had a chance to find yourself you're missing out you need to and that is coming to you every time you turn around 
do not love the world. Because if you do, if you allow that in, listen, it will soften your heart on the things that matter before God. You won't stand strong for God when you're playing around with the world. It's so hard not to be inculcated. It really is. I, I, I'm not speaking this because, boy, I've got it all together. I'm every day like you. I'm getting slammed by this world, trying to draw my attention, draw my affections away from Christ. I, I'm with you. I'm not above you. I'm not better than you. I'm just like you. But this command from God's word is clear and straightforward. Do not love the world. You can't have it both ways as a follower of Christ. He goes further. For all that is in the world, now he really supports what we said, okay? For all that is in the world, and here it is, the three things he identifies. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. Boy, pride's always at the root of all evil. It really is. In my heart, if you say, oh, Greg, what, what do you, you know, what's the Lord working on in your life right now? Pride. Come to me a month later. Greg, what's the Lord seem to be working on in your life right now? You, you want the symptom or you want the cause? Uh, give me the cause. Pride. It can show up and manifest in a lot of different ways in different sins, but I'm going to tell you right now, at the root of it all is pride. He says, this is not from the Father. Pride in yourself is not from the Father. The desire of your eyes is not from the Father. And what that means is it's a wrong desire. You come to temptation corner, and you can either do it God's way or Satan's way. What is Satan's way? To tempt you to do something in an ungodly way. To take a godly drive to be loved. To love. And fulfill it in a God-forbidden way. That's Satan's way. Every day you live, you're at Temptation Corner several times a day. And you can either choose to go God with God or you can choose to go your own way. John is telling us that there are only two categories of people on the earth. Those who are pressing forward in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and those who are, who are in the world. If you're not fully in with Christ, you are in the world. That's it. There's no other category, no middle ground. You're either following Christ or you're following the ways of this world. Turn in your Bible, if you will please, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. The Gospel of Luke chapter 9. Let's bring it back to the subject at hand, sharing the Gospel passionately. Jesus is speaking here. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Remember now what Jesus said back on the Sermon on the Mount. He said that the narrow gate is hard and few there are that find it, but it leads to life. Now he's showing you, okay, what, is it, what do you mean by narrow? What do you mean by hard? Okay, here it is. If you're going to come after me, you have to deny yourself. And you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. If you do life your way, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Do you see the slave-master relationship in this, if the slave says to the master, I think I can make manage on my own. He says, go ahead, and you lose it. 
Or the slave says, you are the master. I'm just the slave. Tell me, where are you going today? I'm going to follow you. As hard as it is, I'm going to do it. And that man saves his life. Well, Christ saves him. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? What does it gain a man to become the captain of his, his or her soul? For a woman to spend her time going after the things that she enjoys in life. And every day she goes through her routine of the things that she likes and she lives her life. Maybe you lived your life for your kids. Maybe you lived your life for your grandchildren. Boy, that one hits home. Maybe you live your life for your job. Maybe you live your life for your reputation in the community. You live your life for all these things. Whoever is, listen, for what does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the world, but you lose, you forfeit yourself? In the end, you lose. You, you don't want to be the master. You want to be the slave. That's the only way to win. Verse 26, for whoever is ashamed of me, here it is now, talking about sharing the gospel, sharing Jesus with people that are lost. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. You, you can't do that. You've you got to make a decision. You can't be, a, you can't. Look, it, it, there's a fear in sharing. And, and you will be shamed by the world when you share. But you can't do it. You can't not do it. That's what he meant by narrow and hard is the way that leads to life. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 57. Look down to verse 57. This is what was read for us. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, knowing his heart, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Uh, are you prepared to do anything and give up the comfortabilities of your life in order to follow me? Now, I don't believe that Jesus is calling all of us to give up uh, some of life's comforts, like a home or a car or a bed that you can sleep in with a roof over your head. I'm not saying that. I, I'm, I'm not saying sell everything you've got, live under the stars, you know. I'm saying be willing, knowing that when I surrender, that's what I'm surrendering. That if at any point Jesus was to come to me and say, I need you to give this up, I would do it. The, the second that you become a believer, you become a martus. In the, you're a martyr. doesn't mean that you are martyred. It means that you're willing at any moment to receive martyrdom if necessary. That's how committed you are to sharing your faith. Verse 59, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury the dead. In other words, um, I, I'm about life here. And I'm about resurrecting dead people. You're just wanting to focus on the death. No, no. Never should there be a time that you're not focused on bringing life to people by the word of God. The, the truth of God's word is life. You have an opportunity every day to share it. He says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Go and proclaim life in God's name by his kingdom. That's another call that Jesus is giving. You know, go. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow, who says, I'm going to follow Jesus, and then looks back, is fit for the kingdom of God. You can't do that. You're either all in or you're not. That's the option. No degree, no grade of commitment, you know, oh, I'm, 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 I'm in, but um, there, no, you're, you're not in. You're not committed to share. Sharing the gospel, you have to be all in. 
And if you look in your life at the people who are not afraid to share the gospel, they pretty much have come to that conclusion. You can see it in their life. They don't really care. They're, yes, they're going to get persecuted, but they don't care. They're, because they have surrendered to Jesus. In the pastoral ministry, I, I, I can just say this, that in preaching the word of God, I want to preach lovingly. I want to preach with grace. But I also want to preach the truth. And I don't mean this to be harsh. I don't mean this to be uh, cruel. But if I'm lovingly and gracefully proclaiming the truth of God, all the truth of God, listen now, it doesn't matter what you think of me. It can't. I, I can't change what God's called me to preach so that you'll be comfortable or happy. To do that would mean that I'm not all in. See, here's what I believe. If I'm faithful to the word and I share it in love and in grace, that's the best thing I can do for you. Whether you get that or not, <laughs> I'm going to stand before him. I'm not going to stand before you. I'm going to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords one day. And the scripture says those who teach will be held to a higher standard. So I can't, well, guess what? You're no different. All the things that the Bible says about an elder in Timothy and Titus, all those things God's calling you to as well. The only one that's different for the elder is that he must be able to teach. You don't have a gift of teaching, some of you. Some of you do. It doesn't mean you're called to be an elder, but, but you could be. But everything else on the list, we're all in it together, folks. We're either in or we're not in. No middle ground. My heart's desire is that you would obey the Holy Spirit of God if you're saved. And this week, you would not pass up the opportunities that God brings. And by the way, Jesus even spelled it out. I'd love to come back if we can. Uh, before Palm Sunday, we've got three weeks. Next week, Pastor Brenton's going to deliver a powerful message to you. So you be here. I'm going to take a few days here just to get away, just to rest. And then I'm coming back excited. And I'd like to at least preach one of those two weeks uh, a very practical sermon. Well, I, I say preach a sermon. It might not be Sunday morning. It might be a, a class that we offer that runs several weeks on how to share your faith. I do think that's important that we learn how. But I got to tell you, I've taught how to share your faith classes, and that's not the answer because I've taught it and people have taken it and they still don't share their faith. It's a hard issue. It's, it's a picture of do I understand the concept of what being a Christian really means to follow Jesus, what it costs me. That's really what it comes down to. Then you don't have to wait for a class. You'll just start doing it. And we'll still provide a class to help you, maybe sharpen you a little bit, give you some tools to work with. But uh, this is where we want to go. We want to be a church that really is all in. Amen? It's a lot to think about. More to process. And then don't just think and process. Make a decision. That decision for some of us is, Lord, please forgive me for not taking serious the call that you placed on my life to be a Christian. Forgive me. By your Holy Spirit, give me the strength to do exactly what Jesus said. Every day you live, reach in the feed bag, pull out some seed, and just broadcast it. That's what it means to be a sower. Proceed. Let it hit every type of heart, but you just be faithful to the seed. Throw it, the word of God. Be faithful to that. Father, this morning, uh, not an easy sermon to deliver, and it's certainly not an easy one to hear. 
God, I just find it interesting how before I ever get to preach anything, you first work me over with it. And this message is for me as much as it is for anyone else. There are moments in my life when I'm so faithful to share the gospel, to, to throw seed. And then there's other moments, God, that I just get caught up in whatever I'm doing, and it's more about me, it's more about this or that, and I pass right by the opportunity, even though it's presenting itself. God, help us. Help us not to turn away those who might be asking or those who seem to have an interest to learn more about what it means to be a Christian. God, open our hearts to understand and then to walk in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you show grace and mercy to us as a people. We're simply on the path trying to learn how. You're not wanting to condemn any of us today. You are wanting us to hear what the Spirit is saying through the Word of God and then transformed by it. So help us to do that. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite the prayer partners to come forward and just spread out across the front anybody with a prayer need. And boy, do we have some sick folk in this church. And uh, I was just on the phone late last night talking to one of our sisters, and then uh, uh, just... I learned today that another member of our fellowship just got sick and he's home with his wife who's also facing illness. And we just need to, hey, listen, let's be the church to these folks. People that you know are down, give them a call, send them a card, maybe drop off a meal. Let, let's love people. But today, if you'd like to come and be prayed for, for any reason at all, uh, our prayer partners are here and uh, they will gladly pray with you, okay? So thank you for being part of this service today. Thank you for those of you who are visiting. We're glad to have you. Thank you for being here. And uh, let's continue to grow in our walk with Christ. Amen? God bless.